When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and a proud partner of Lids.ca. As always, you can reach out to us on our social media, our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection with Ken and Trevor, on Twitter, at TheBleacherCon1, and at TheBleacherCon2. You've got mail. At this time, we uh, want to reach out to a couple of our listener feedbacks and bring up some comments that they raised to us based on our last episode. Our first comment comes from Caleb in Lethbridge. This was in regards to our Robinson Cano comments from last week that he believed that we said that we thought he may have, well, I guess I said that I thought he may have gotten caught taking steroids as a chance to get out of the 2021 season for COVID reasons. And he questioned my take on that. He actually believed that he may have taken the steroids to get himself back in the limelight. Because let's be honest, we haven't heard Robinson Cano's name since the last time he got caught taking steroids. That's a take I hadn't even thought of. And you know what, Caleb? I think you might be right on that one. Yeah, definitely. It is a it is a good one because really, like you said there, we haven't heard much of Cano's name really since he left the Yankees and was in in Seattle a bit, but really since the first test, he's been a non-factor in baseball. The other comment we got was from Chris and Coquitlam, and he said on our Facebook page, gotta say, Sosa, McGuire, and the rest made for great baseball. Even non-hardcore fans were watching the home run race that year, wondering how high the home run count would get. Now, it was unfortunate that it was all marred by steroids, but I believe Trevor hit the nail on the head about saying it was saving baseball. Those guys sure made it fun to watch. We even named our dog Sammy after Sosa. So, I mean, again, Chris is right in what he's saying there. In what you had said last week, it did save baseball. It's unfortunate that it now has such this dark cloud over that era. But, yeah, it was fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely it was. It Whether we like it or not, and it did save baseball. It was it was going away. You know, Chicks dig the long ball. That was the slogan that came out of it, and it still stands today. And you know what? It, it's 100% accurate. It saved it. So I want to say thank you to Chris and Caleb for reaching out to us with your feedback. And again, if other people have feedback on some of the controversial takes we have on our show, or if you just want us to air your opinion, reach out to us on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, or on our Facebook page. So thank you very much. Okay, on this week's episode... We're, uh, we're almost going to take it back to our roots a little bit, and we're going to focus on some good old NHL hockey talk. On this week's episode, we're going to name our NHL All-Star team. 
where we're going to look back at the last couple of seasons and pick who we think would be in the starting lineup of our NHL All-Star teams. And secondly, and more importantly, we're going to name our 2020 NHL All-Overrated Stars team, where we're going to look at some common names in the NHL and who we think are overrated and why. Ken and I have not discussed our lists with each other, so this is going to be a shock to both of us when we hear it. Uh, I don't know if I'll agree or not. I couldn't name the entire Vancouver Canucks starting lineup. I didn't believe that was fair. So th- should Wait, be a I lot wasn't of supposed fun. to name Calgary? Well, I thought we had agreed on that, but... Well, you may have. No, <laughs> just kidding. And as always, we're going to start with our That Soft Side. And this week, That Soft Side is brought to you by our partners at Lids Canada, your online shopping resource for all your team apparel needs. Click on the link in our Facebook and Twitter bios to check out all the hot savings for your holiday shopping need. Okay, Ken, what caught your eye this week? Well, I think the ongoing saga that is the NFL and COVID-19 is what really kind of piqued my interest a little bit this week. And, and I think we've spoken before that we both don't really follow the NFL. But right now it is the sport that's going on and in the limelight a lot. What really got me is you take the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens game is the first one I'm going to mention. It was supposed to be Thursday night, prime time, American Thanksgiving. It got moved to Sunday because the Baltimore Ravens, I don't would have had to go past their water boy, past their towel boys. And I don't know how far in the organization they would have had to go to field an actual team for the weekend. Also, you now have the Denver Broncos going into a game on Sunday with zero active quarterbacks this is becoming ridiculous and it is just it is looking really bad right now see to me the denver broncos situation is you kind of reap what you sow they've been warned before by the league about their 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 covid protocols and they're choosing not to adhere to them this isn't the first time the league's reached out to them and said you guys need to take this seriously And, well, this week, they're going to be taking it seriously without a starting quarterback. They're going to have a wide receiver who hasn't thrown a pass in three weeks under center. But you know what? Too bad, Denver. This is your own fault. If you're not going to take it seriously, then deal with it. And guess what? You get to deal with it this week. I think if the NFL wanted teams to take this more seriously, then I think you actually got to come with some meat and potatoes kind of punishment. Now, if a team can't play Due to a COVID outbreak, I think the league needs to investigate quickly and accurately. And if they're found to have not been following the protocols that have been set out to keep the players and everyone else in the organization safe, you forfeit the game. That's just there. If you've got a game and you can't make it, you lose. Because, you know, I believe the, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost their bye week because of a, another team that had a COVID outbreak. They've now had their game pushed from Thursday to Sunday to Monday or Tuesday, whether that actually gets played now, because the Steelers are now the same boat. They're having cases come out. So the NFL needs to get this under control and fast. Yeah, and the the NFL has gone as far as they're fining teams. This week they fined the Saints and actually punished them, I believe it's a seventh-round draft pick for an off-field an off celebration where they weren't wearing masks. It, there's actually a good video out there of them. I believe it's in their dressing room where they're blaring music and dancing around and, you know, joyous that they won against Tampa Bay. But again, like, let's, they got to be safe. There's protocols in place. The, the New England Patriots were fined again. I believe 
Uh, it was like $350,000 or something as an organization. But to me, defining them doesn't do a whole lot because these are billion dollar industries and teams and owners. So when you're giving them a little slap on the wrist and the players, who cares? You know, yeah. I guess giving, hitting them for a draft pick, I guess, is a step in the right direction. But if you want them to take it seriously, I'm with you, Ken. Start making them forfeit games. They'll follow protocol quickly. Yeah, I mean, the draft pick, though, how many seventh rounders can you name in the NFL right now? Is that really, truly a punishment? I mean, let's make it, again, if you're not going to make them forfeit a game, then make it a first or second rounder. Make it hurt. Make it to the point where teams are going to take it seriously. Because right now, like, let's just look at the NHL and NBA and Major League Baseball, because you've got teams in Canada and the U.S. The Canadian federal government won't even let the Raptors or Blue Jays play in Canada. They've got to play in the United States so that they're not crossing the border, right? And here, because for this reason, you have teams traveling, they're not isolating, all this, and you have rampant cases of COVID-19 going throughout the league causing problems. Yeah, unfortunately, I, to me, this is just a sign of things to come for both the NBA and the NHL. And I'm hoping both those leagues will look at what the NFL did and try to improve upon it. But I'm not, again, I think I said this last week, I'm not overly optimistic that we're not going to have COVID issues in those two leagues as well. And to be honest, I don't know if there is a way to get around it short of, you know, shacking the players up in a bubble again, but that's not an option. Yeah, you can't do that for six months. The, the World Junior Hockey Tournament, I, I would even think, is in question because of you looking at what's happening in the NFL. And then you're going to just have bring teams in from two countries you're talking about bringing in multiple teams from multiple countries all over the world. How's that going to work? We already Once. saw cases in the, the selection camp for Team Canada. Yeah, Team Canada is currently under quarantine in Red Deer, Alberta, after bringing in a bunch of players from around Canada, and two of them tested positive, and now they're sitting in a hotel in Red Deer doing some Zoom meetings, but that's about it. So I Yeah, we got... We have two-thirds of our, our Canadian junior system not even playing right now, so I don't get how this tournament's even in the conversation right now. Well, and the province of Alberta put some new COVID restrictions this week that could put that tournament into jeopardy as well, and I don't have an issue with them at all. No. But it could have a major impact on some of the professional sports and even amateur sports like the World Juniors in, in the months to come. Yeah, I hate to say it, but right now... <clears throat> Sports is not the main thing we should be worried about getting up and running. As nice as it is to have, gives us a lot to talk about. But I think just looking at how the NFL is handling it, it's poor, needs to get fixed. And to me, that's why it's offside. Couldn't agree with you more, Ken. And our listeners, if, if you like what we're saying, if you agree, disagree, again, reach out to us on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2. We want to hear from you. What do you think of COVID and what's going on right now in professional sports? Let us know. And now we're going to move on to our first topic of the day. And that is going to be where we name our 2020 or 2021 NHL All-Star teams. For this, we kind of looked back at the last kind of one or two years and made some decisions of who we thought the, the best players at each position were right now. And we made, we we decided to name a starting lineup, essentially, of one goalie, two defensemen, a forward, a left wing, and a, or a, a center, a left wing, and a right wing. Uh, I know that I personally took the criteria more of who would I look to build my, if I were an NHL GM, what players would I want to build my team around initially? And I used that criteria, so age kind of came into factor 
different uh, things like how we could run a power play came into factor on mine. So that was kind of the criteria I chose. Ken, was there any specific criteria that you were looking for? Yeah, I, I looked at it as well as if I had free reign as a GM to sign the five players I wanted to build around. Uh, I, I looked at, like we said, the last almost two seasons that we've had fit, not just what can they do in their specific position and how do this, how do they stack up overall? I think there's going to be some, some surprises in our list of, and again, we don't know who each other chose. So no, think, we don't. I think the picks and the, the snubs could be uh hotly debated topic on its own so i yeah, believe there's it, I, a city that you live in that may feel like they've been snubbed yeah yeah that there may be some hate mail my way <laughs> okay well with that being said and knowing that there's no edmonton oilers on either of our uh, starting teams uh ken <laughs> who did you have starting in goal all right so in goal uh i didn't this was almost a no-brainer. I didn't really I'm sure yours be, is the same as mine. Yeah, I didn't need to really look at any kind of stats. I did for the sake of, you know, being able to talk to it. Uh, but in goal, Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Over the past, let me say, you know, the 2018-19 and this shortened season we just had, he's played 105 games. He has started every single one of those. He has 74 wins to 24 losses, 7 OT losses, and a 921 save percentage. This guy is a wall. You, like No one else came close to the winning percentage he had. And that's why, for me, Andre Vasilevsky was the hands-down easiest pick of this list. Well, I'd, I'd love to say that I have a hot take against that selection or a reason that you're completely out to lunch. Um, but I couldn't come up with a reason why I would choose Mikko Koskinen over Andre Vasilevsky. Wrong so way. I as well have from the Tampa Bay Lightning number 88, Andre Vasilevsky as my starting goaltender. Let's get to the chase or get to the point. He's a Stanley Cup winner. He's top of the league in almost all goalie stats. He's a 35 to 40 win goalie every season. He is a career goals against average of 255, and that's dropping right now he's a career 919 save percentage he's been top three in Vesna votings three seasons in a row and he has one victory in there as well let's face it he's simply the best goalie in the NHL right now and on one of the best teams so sorry no hot take against Ken on that one I think that one's unanimous I would imagine about 90 percent of teams would have Vasilevsky as their starting goaltender um, I guess an honorable mention could potentially be someone like Tuka Rask or Ken. Do you have any honorable mentions uh, there? I actually had Connor Hellebuck as my honorable yeah. mention. He would be my back. Like if again, if you're looking at a starter backup, Connor Hellebuck, his uh, 65 wins, 44 losses over the last couple seasons, nine seventeen. It's pretty solid too. Yeah, unfortunately, Connor's kind of being in Winnipeg. He's not exactly in the limelight near as much as. Uh, let's say a goalie in Tampa Bay, but can't argue that. Yeah. All right. So Charles, so who did you have as one of your uh, defensive pairings? Uh, on defense, my first choice uh, representing the Colorado avalanche, number eight, Kale McCarr, a uh, local Calgary kid. So I guess there's a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for him, uh, even though he's, Absolutely torched my team in the 2019 playoffs. Uh, he's a smooth skater. He 
he, he quarterbacks an absolutely lethal power play. He's a, a point machine in his first full season. Well, it wasn't even a full season. He 50 points. He was close to a point a game player, uh, plus 12. And in the postseason, he's played 25 career games, has 21 points. I don't know that there's a more dynamic defender in the NHL right now than Kale McCarr. Um, second on my list for defensemen, and this one I went more in the shutdown capacity, because if I'm going to have an offensive defenseman, I guess I'd like to have a shutdown guy playing alongside him. And for me, that's uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets, number three, Seth Jones. In my opinion, he's the best shutdown defender in the league. He's a minute muncher playing close to 25 minutes a night. Uh, he almost single-handedly willed his team to victory over the Leafs in the qualifying round this year. That was a banged-up team, and he was an absolute stud. He was also a key force in the sweep of the Lightning in 2019. This guy has size, strength, tenacity, physicality, and skill. He's a 40 to 50 point D-man, and he's an absolute shutdown monster. So to recap, I have Kale McCarr and Seth Jones as my starting defenders. Yeah, so I mean, I McCarr's name did cross my mind, but I think for me, a guy like Kale McCarr, and even, you know, as a Canucks fan myself, I Quinn Hughes, for me, that's a different list. For me, they would come up on a futures list. Uh, just coming off rookie years, I think they're going to be great defensemen. Kale McCarr had, definitely has what it takes, it seems, to be that that all-star defenseman. So I don't necessarily disagree. I just think it's a bit early for me. And I would put him, McCarr, and Hughes, say, on a future list as a defensive pairing if you're going to like talk you know, top 10 defensemen in the next five years. Those two will be, I think, one and two in that uh, list for a long time. Seth Jones, that's a solid pick. He is a, a good big body defenseman, uh, all around decent player. So I would, I, yeah, not either, neither one of those made my list, but uh, they're not bad choices. I won't say that you're too far off there. For me, my defensive pairing first, I've got John Carlson of the Washington Capitals. This is a, a defenseman who over 149 games has 145 points. And usually when you see high points, you see a low plus minus because they're more focused on offense. But John Carlson does come in with a plus 33. I think he, he does a good job of playing both ends. And uh, for me, solid defenseman. You want to have the guys on the point that can play defense, but you can also count on for, for points set players up, run a power play. My second pick, and uh, this is the second of, uh, there, there may be more, but from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Victor Hedman. Again, 109 points in over the last 136 games played, but he's also a plus 51. So he is a solid defenseman. He is a big bodied defenseman out there. He just plays both ends of the rink very, very well. And he's been solid over his entire career. I know we're talking recent because we want, we're want we not talking about career all-star team here of active players, but he's been a solid defenseman throughout his career. And he and Carlson would make up my defensive pairing. And uh, I think it would be quite solid for both defense and offense. Yeah, I can't disagree with either of your choices there. They were actually both in my top five as well. 
Uh, I also had Miro Heiskanen right there. Uh, after watching what he did in this year's playoffs, uh, the guy was uh, an, an absolute stud. Um, again, as I mentioned, age came into uh, came into play a little bit more on my list, and that's why a guy like Kale McCarr I had ahead of Victor Hedman. Um, Hedman, you cannot go wrong there. He probably is uh, the best defenseman in the game, but I don't believe he's the most dynamic, and I don't believe he's the best at either a shutdown role or an offensive role. And that's kind of the way I went on it, but he's an absolute stud and you can't go wrong with either of those picks, uh, Carlson or Hedman. Yeah. A couple of my honorable mentions, Roman UC from Nashville. And I think it might raise an eyebrow for both of you for, for you right here. I had Giordano as also as a, and for that bit of a, a shutdown role, he's a plus 41 over the last two seasons. I would have agreed with you on the Giordano front prior to last season. Um, he had a sharp decline in play that I'm hoping's a blip. But again, father time is undefeated in the NHL. So I'm a little concerned. Um, Giordano brings a ton of um, qualities like leadership and heart that some of these other guys may not because he's a little bit older and he's an absolute warrior on the ice. But for the purpose of this list, I don't see it. And that's mostly based on his 2019, 2020 season. But I appreciate the love for the captain in Calgary, Ken. Well, that's a tough word to use on that one. (laughs) I'd I'd have to say, uh, I think you're off base a little bit there with him. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's move on to our forward ranks and Ken, who did you have as your starting left winger? Well, left wing from the New York Rangers, Artemi Panarin. Uh, This is a guy who's got, he's a a plus 50 as an offensive forward. 182 points over 148 games. And this is a guy who is getting better every year. Just the, the stats keep going up. I think he is a He's a fun player to watch. He's offensively talented, and he's gonna he's gonna put the puck in the net. I think we're gonna see him at the the top of the scoring list for some time going forward. On my list at left wing, I also have number ten from the New York Rangers, Artemi Panarin, the bread man. He may be the most dynamic puck handler in the game. He does everything offensively at an extremely high level: shoot, pass, stick handle. His vision's incredible. He's silky smooth mitts. He's a 90 to 100 point player, 30 goal scorer, strong plus minus, like you mentioned, every year. He's an all around dynamic player and the best left winger in the game. So I, I, I can't, I obviously can't argue your choice one bit because he's my choice as well. Yeah, he, he's wearing the right number for sure. I mean, I, I go back to the early 90s where Vancouver had a number 10 that uh, he, Panarin looks very much like, and that's Pavel Bure. Pavel did spend some time in New York on the Rangers, so he, seeing a number 10 fly around on the ice like that, uh, it, it brings back some memories. I uh, Honorable mentions for left wing, and reasons I couldn't pick this guy was because, well, sometimes he plays center, sometimes he plays left wing, sometimes he plays right wing, and that's number 29 of the Edmonton Oilers, Leon Dreisaitl. He, he doesn't have a set position in my mind, so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't pick him for this, but I guess left wing would be one of his 
top position. So he'd definitely be in my honorable mentions there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to, I'll be flat out honest. Dreisaitl and McDavid did not make even my honorable mentions. Uh, when I look at, at Dreisaitl, for the amount of points that he gets and to be a plus three player, to me, that is, you just can't have it. You look at a lot of other players in the league that are, that are as offensively talented and they're still on the plus side of things, right? For me, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't put Dreisaitl even in the honorable mentions. For me, it was uh, Tavo Teravainen wow. out of uh, Carolina. 139 points, over 150 games played, and he's a plus 50. For me, I don't want defensive liabilities on my team. And I'm sorry, but McDavid and Dreisaitl, that's what you are. When you combine for over 200 points and you're a combined plus, I think I wrote it down, I think they are a combined plus 21 over the past two years. You can't have that. You just can't. So... Tara Vinan's my honorable mention at left wing. Okay, uh, I'm going to move on to our right wing positions. For me, I had to pick the guy that I just flat out thought is the best overall right winger in the game. Defense, offense. Again, I'm with you, Ken. I want an, over, uh, an all-around player. So my top right winger from the Boston Bruins, number 88, David Pasternak. I already said it, the best right winger in the game. He's a 40-goal producer, 80 to 90-point production and defensively responsible. Uh, he plays on the best line in hockey. The guy has a lethal shot, and he's a sneaky good passer. Uh, an all-around beast of a hockey player. Playoff performer as well. He's been on countless playoff runs with the Boston Bruins. I just He's the best right now, in my opinion. Um, obviously, an honorable mentions could be guys like Ovechkin. But again, like I mentioned... Age was a big a big factor in mine if I were to want to build a team right now. And without a question, David Pasternak on the right wing. Well, I, I will he is on my list in honorable mentions. Uh he Pasternak is a he's a beast of a player, as you said. He's on one of the, he's on, they call it the perfection line. He is on one of the best lines in hockey as much as it absolutely pains me to say that as a Canucks fan I I have very little love for the Boston Bruins for what happened in 2011 uh still sour but I'll give them the credit they are that line Pasternak Bergeron Marchand is one of the best lines in hockey it's hard to if you can find an argument for that it's probably got a lot of holes in it it's not a good one it's not even a question of of maybe one of the best lines in hockey (laughs) It is the best line in hockey. Yeah. They do it in, on both ends of the rink, all three zones. They are far superior to anybody else. The, the back checking on that line, there's no question. I can't even think of another line that's even close to these three. Yeah, most teams you can look at have a top pairing with a, a third on forward line that complements, but you don't see it left wing center right wing just absolute dominance when you put it together so yeah i i it's a it's a good pick i don't like i say he's my honorable mention who i have at uh at right wing is uh, nikita kutrov from tampa bay and in all honestly when i was writing this out i'm like man three-fifths of this lineup is uh is tampa bay but there's a reason for that they're one of the best teams in hockey and the 
these players are incredible. Over 150 games, Kucherov has 213 points and is a plus 50. It's hard to argue with that kind of output. You know, you're averaging 106 and a half points a season. And some of that's in a shortened season here. They only played roughly, you know, most teams, I think, played close to 70 games. So he still had another half dozen games at least to do some more damage. Nikita Kucherov is just offensively gifted, completely gifted. And for me, he got the edge on Pasternak just based on looking what he can do. And he's not slowing down. He's continuing to put more on the board each year. Like Pasternak had 176 points over the past two seasons to Kucherov's 213. I mean, if you can find a way to get both of them on the same team, look out. Yeah, I uh, my my list came down to Kucherov and Pasternak as well. Uh, the reason I chose Pasternak is I just felt like he was a little more well-rounded. Uh, Kucherov also, by his standards, had a down year last year in comparison to the year before. He wasn't quite as offensively dynamic. And I guess it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-recently league. And to me, Pasternak is a little more consistent and well-rounded than Kucherov. So I guess for that reason alone, I I picked Pasternak over Kucherov. But like you said, you couldn't go wrong picking either of these guys. They're they're clearly the two best right-wingers in the NHL right now. And I just don't know who else would unseed them for that position. Okay, so uh, yeah, we, 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 we both have the same players just on different sides of the list. One's in the lineup, one's in honorable mentions. But if you were to take Kucherov and Pasternak and put them on their own team without the supporting cast that they have, who does better? Hmm. I think Kucherov's a little more dynamic. I think he would, I think he might be able to drive a line by himself. A little bit more, but I still think Pasternak's the better all-around player and and goal scorer. Like I just, when I think of a right wing, I guess I might harken back to the days of Jerome McGinley, where to me a winger is a big body guy who can crash and bang along the wall, get himself to the front of the net, have a wicked one timer on a power play, and I guess Pasternak just kind of fits that mold for my hockey tastes a little bit more than than uh, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, I think Pasternak made the honorable mentions. I agree. I think Kucherov on his own could drive a line if you were to put him somewhere else. Uh, I think Pasternak's just like he's not far off, but I think you look at the line and what each one brings in Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand, and they all complement each other. Because Marchand is not the biggest guy, but he gets in the dirty places. He does all that work. Bergeron's one of the best setup guys in the in in the league, but uh, yeah, I think either way, if you could get them on a, on your team, whether you had the other two supporting cast like they have, you're going to do okay. Yeah. All right, moving on to the centermen. Uh, I have a feeling we chose the same guy here, but I guess only time will tell. Uh, for me, starting at center, representing the Colorado Avalanche, number twenty nine, Nathan McKinnon. Speed, skill, defensively responsible, lights out numbers. McKinnon is simply the best player in the NHL right now. Without a doubt, nobody touches Nathan McKinnon. He's a 100-point player, 40-goal scorer, 
He's able to take over whole games and playoff series. He's a plus player. He's responsible and he's flashy. To me, watching Nathan McKinnon play is a treat. The guy just dominates games. And when he decides to, good luck. You cannot stop Nathan McKinnon. And best player in the NHL right now. Not a question. You know, Connor McDavid may be the best point producer in the NHL. He's not the best player. That's Nathan McKinnon. Uh, obviously, honorable mention for me here would be Connor McDavid. If I had to build my team around 97 in Edmonton, I guess I'd be okay with that. But I'd take 29 in Colorado first. Well, I'll tell you why it wasn't Patrice Bergeron and it was Nathan McKinnon. Um, because as I, as you said, we got it right. The same Nathan McKinnon for me, plus 33. I have written here, you know, the 151 games played, 192 points, plus 33, speed, and a beast of a player. You, you, you said pretty much everything that needs to be said there. I think for me, the reason he's there and Patrice Bergeron is my uh, honorable mention is Bergeron's a little bit on the older side, injuries, things like that. Nathan McKinnon, there shouldn't even be a conversation of who's won the number one center in the league. You know, you talked about he gets points. He's a plus player. He's not a liability. That was the big thing. That was one of the biggest things for me when I looked at building my five starters because I didn't want to put a player in there that could score 100 points but was a plus three because in all honesty, I'd rather have three other players that combine for 100 points but are also a combined, you know, plus 60 because they're all plus 20 players. He's he's he is that offensive guy. When you think McKinnon, you think offense, but he is, he's got the plus numbers to show that he's not a one dimensional player. The only question mark I have on Nathan McKinnon is his playoff success. And I'm talking more about the team success. This Colorado team for the last couple of seasons has been one of the best teams going into the playoffs both years, and they haven't gotten out of the second round. So I guess there's a little bit of a question mark there to me, but yeah, I, I, I don't think too, that though. that's Nathan McKinnon's fault. No, and I think they always talk about the NHL Stanley Cup is one of the hardest trophies to win. You have to win 16 <laughs> games, and the league is not so far off where the number eight seeded team could knock off the number one seeded team. I saw it happen to my Canucks two years in a row as the President Trophy winners exit early. No, sorry. The second year, they exited early after being the, the President's <clears throat> Cup winners. It happens. The league's not that far off. Take the play-in playoffs that we had just this season where Chicago, the lowest seeded team in the West, knocked off Edmonton, who was seeded fifth, and moved on. Same with Arizona. Yeah, same. And no different in the East as well, it happened. The NHL is not so far off where if you're the higher seed, it's almost a gimme. And there is no best of five or best of three. It's a seven-game series from beginning to end. This past playoffs excluded with the play-in. But they still had to play that best of five and then play four more rounds 
to win the cup. It is one of the toughest ones to win. There is no buys. There is no gimmies in this league. Okay. Do you guys agree with our picks or do you disagree? Was there any serious submissions that we may have had or were there, did you think we were bang on? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us, Twitter at the bleacher con one at the bleacher con two, or send us a note on our Facebook page, the bleacher connection with Ken and Trevor. We want to hear from you. So now we're going to move on to the fun part of the show. And this is where we are going to pick our all-star overrated team. And these are players that we personally believe, for one reason or another, are extremely overrated and not as good as the hype. I know a lot of my criteria had to do with uh, contracts and, I guess, playoff failure and things like that. Ken, what what were some of the criteria that you put in? A little bit of contract, a little bit of, I mean, let's face it. We live in Western Canada. For us, we hear how great the Toronto Maple Leafs are, how great every single one of their players is from top to bottom. I kind of took the approach of who do we keep hearing is this top flight elite athlete in the NHL, but really not seeing it, right? I looked at where players were drafted as well. Yeah. What they've done over their career, what we've been told they were going to do, what they tell us they're, the, how good they are. That's kind of what I looked at with this list. Unlike the all-star list, to me, the uh, all-overrated team was a little bit of a career achievement award. I did uh, look at that as well. I, I'm not convinced this is a career achievement that you want, but in our opinion, in our opinion you, know, you deserved, you had to work hard to get on this list, in my opinion. So with that being said, Ken, why don't you lead us off? Starting in goal from the Florida Panthers, number 72, Sergei Bobrovsky. Starting on defense, number eight from the LA Kings, Drew Doughty. Also on defense from the New Jersey Devils, Number 76, P.K. Subban. Starting at forward from Buffalo, number four, Taylor Hall. Also at forward, number 29 from the Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Laine. And at forward, number nine, also from the Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel. So to recap, Ken, you have Sergei Bobrovsky starting in goal. That Drew I do. Drew Doughty and P.K. Subban on defense. Yes, sir. Taylor Hall on left wing. Patrick Laine on right wing. And Jack Eichel down the middle. Yes, sir. Those are my starting five for the overrated team. So, Sergei Bobrovsky. This is a guy who just signed a seven-year, $70 million contract. He's year one into it and put up a stellar 23-19 and record. For me, I believe Bobrovsky was able to get that contract through the Columbus Blue Jackets overall team. I don't think Bobrovsky made that team better. You look at Corpusalo and Merz Lincolns, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are no worse. They are just as good. Maybe even say better. I think Bobrovsky, he doesn't have horrible numbers. But is he worth 
ten million dollars a season to get a four games over five hundred goalie? No. This is a guy who started his career in Philly, and in a time when Philly was always in search of a starting goaltender. Like, let's be real. Philly just got their starting goaltender now in Carter Hart. But for the past number of years, they've run through goalies like crazy. So he didn't start off that great in Philly. Now, did he become a star and an all-star because of the Columbus Blue Jackets overall team together? I think for me, that's why he is an overrated goaltender. I can't argue anything you said there. Yeah. Drew Doughty, for, he likes to tell you how good he is. And I think his $11 million a year contract is probably nine too much. This is a defenseman <laughs> who... Wow. Hold on. So what would you give a defenseman over the past two seasons? That is minus 50. Minus 50. He is not worth $11 million. But he... And his point production is not there as well. He does not put up the type of points that is worth $11 million. He'll tell you how good he is and how much respect he deserves, but he is not an $11 million player. How many more players in the league are making more than Drew Doughty? Not many. Connor McDavid and maybe a few others, but the list is very short above him in contract. And for what he does, not a chance. He's overrated. I have a hard time with Drew Doughty. And you picking him because at the end of the day, he still is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. And he played prominent roles on that. He's also... That team was also He's won stacked, a couple... Yeah, they were. He, he's also won a couple of Olympic gold medals. So I can see on the what have you done for me recently train on Drew Doughty. But as a career achievement award, I guess I'd have to disagree with you a little bit. And don't get me wrong, I by no means like Drew Doughty. You know, I, I'm on Team Kachuk on that little argument there. But uh, I don't know. I Spoiler alert, Drew Doughty's not on my list. Though his name did come up. So yeah, but I, I mean, I'd have at, to argue a little bit with you on there. Those those achievements you talked about, the, the goals with Canada and the cups with the Kings, those weren't mediocre teams. Those are, The Canada team's a stacked, essentially, all-star team, best of the yeah. best. So how much did he really – would they have yeah. won whether he was there or not? Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler the alert, teams? that comes into play on my team with one yeah. of my choices. P.K. Subban, just seeing a steady decline in points, uh, his plus-minus isn't good enough to be in the discussion as a top defenseman. And in three seasons, or th- sorry, 11 seasons, he's on. Th- he's been on three teams that have moved on from him, some quicker than others. Taylor Hall, he's a career minus 42. He, his one season at a plus 14 was his MVP year with the New Jersey Devils. In 11 years, he's on his fourth team. He's a first overall pick. This isn't a guy at the end of his career chasing a cup. This is a guy in the prime of his career who after whenever the next season happens could be on his fifth team. Uh, He's only been to the playoffs twice, and I just don't feel that he makes the others around him better. He didn't make New Jersey Devils any better than they were or currently are since he's been there and left. And Arizona, who picked him up for the playoff run, I think actually took a step backwards and got bounced fairly early. So that's why Taylor Hall's on the list for me. I'd actually argue Taylor Hall's only ever actually qualified for the playoffs once because he only got in this year because of the play-in round. And let's face it, Arizona was not going to make the playoffs. They were far enough back that they were not 
in my opinion, even in the conversation anymore. So I would argue Taylor Hall's only actually ever qualified for the playoffs once in 10 seasons. Yeah. Patrick Laine, I mean, this is a guy who hasn't been in the league very long, but he's got declining production while complaining about ice time on a very talented team. I don't think he's got a good attitude. Um, I can either see him getting benched or traded. You get benched early in the season or traded before it even begins. So for me, that's why he's on that list. Just a number two overall pick that hasn't done what he should have and says he can do. So Blake's to blame others for his, his production. Yeah, Patrick Line, the guy can shoot the puck, and that's about it. Yeah. And I guess if, if he could only play on the power play, he would be one of the best players in the league. But unfortunately, there's three zones that you have to play in, and he's not the best in all three of those zones. No. And last one on my list, Jack Eichel. He's a minus 60. He has one plus positive season. Um, that was this previous year. He's only scored more than 30 goals once. And that was this, it was this shortened season. Too much hype for what you get. Uh, he's gotten at least two coaches and GMs fired. Uh, lack of success just coming from the number two pick behind Connor McDavid because there was a time that he was spoken about being potentially number one over Connor. So that is why he's there for me. Yeah. Jack Keuchel's hard for me. The guy's still an incredible talent. Uh, I get that uh, the losing, it's really all he's done. Uh, I focus more on a career achievement award. I don't believe Eichel's been in the league quite long enough to be on this list. But I do get why he's on your list. He's He hasn't done anything, but he sure likes to talk like he has. Yeah. So I, I can't argue that point at all. I, I, I think it still might be a little early <clears throat> in his career to be making these statements. But uh, what I do find very interesting about your team is two of these guys are going to play on a line together next year. I know. Let's, uh, let's see how that plays out for these guys. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a... 12th place finish in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> All right, Trevor. So let's uh, cue it up and uh, let's hear who you got. And now the starting lineup for Team Trevor's all-overrated all-star team. In goal, representing the Montreal Canadiens, number 31, Carrie Price. On defense. Representing the New Jersey Devils, number 6076, P.K. Subban. Also on defense, representing the Arizona Coyotes, number 23, Oliver Ekman Larson. At center, representing the Toronto Maple Leafs, number 91, John Tavares. Left wing from the Buffalo Sabres, number four, Taylor Hall. And on right wing, representing the Nashville Predators, number 95, Matt Duchesne. All right. Wow. I don't know if you could see my face as you were reading that, but... Uh... And goal, you got Carey Price, defensive pairing of P.K. Subban and Ulrich Ekman Larson. 
That forward, John Tavares, Taylor Hall, and Duchesne. Matt Duchesne, two out of six. That's all we got. That's a, a little surprised, but not overly. Kerry I was a little, wow. I was I was a little worried when uh, when you started in the intro talking about contracts and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I thought we may have a little bit of an overlap there. So, uh, I, not uh, <laughs> Newlander was my honorable mention from the Leafs. So uh, I. I'm glad you didn't pick John Tavares because I think it gives us a real good uh, talking point. But once I give my little rundown, I think you'll agree with me. But let's start in goal with the controversial pick of Carey Price from the Montreal Canadiens. Price's career stats are phenomenal, but has a goalie that's been so overhyped ever done so little? His only success was in, 20, was in the 2014 Olympics when a cardboard cutout could have won gold playing behind Team Canada. He currently earns $10.5 million, and that is an extreme overpay for what he provides. In 13 years, he's only been top three in Vesna, vote, Vesna voting twice with only one win and has only won four playoff rounds in his career. Price also spends a lot of time on the IR injured reserve, which keeps him off the ice at critical points, including twice in the postseason, including the only time he got out of the second round. He was injured in the conference finals. Price is a great goalie statistically, but in reality has not won anything and is clearly starting a decline with a goals against average of close to 2.8 and a 909 save percentage in his last three years, which are far lower than his career stats, which are closer to 2.5 goals against average and a 918 save percentage. I don't know, the hype train on this guy is huge, and he hasn't won anything. And you're paying him $10.5 million, more than your goalie, Sergei Bobrovsky. And what have the Montreal Canadiens done with this guy in between the pipes? Literally nothing. So, I think that, you bring up a good point there. What have the Canadians done? His numbers are great. He gets overworked because he's never had a, they've never had a capable backup to give him time off. To rest, and I think that's part of why he gets injured so much because he plays so many minutes. I don't disagree that he hasn't won on the big NHL stage, and that is what a lot of people look like. But he wasn't a name that came really even to mind on the overrated list. Well, I told you yesterday that my goalie was going to shock you, and I he hasn't done anything, and he's getting paid a whack ton of money. So I can't say I. Here's how I look at it. Would I take Carey Price on my team right now at $10.5 million? Not a chance. Yeah. On defense, P.K. Subban. Well, you agreed with me on this one. The hype trainer on P.K. earlier in his career is probably what landed him on my list. Montreal played him up as potentially the best D-man in the game. In reality, his production mirrors a second-pairing defender, averaging 10 goals and 40 points a season. Subban has been jettisoned out of two cities already in Montreal and Nashville. And now New Jersey is frantically trying to rid themselves of his $9 million per year cap hit. His production has never matched his contract. And quite frankly, his play more than justifies his position as one of the most overrated defenders in the league. I don't think there's anything there I'm saying, Ken, that you don't agree with. No. Uh, my second defender, Oliver Ekman-Larsen of the Arizona Coyotes. 
for two seasons, OEL was one of the best defensemen in the game. Unfortunately for Ekman Larson, that leaves eight seasons where he has been rather plain. Twice, he has scored over 20 goals in a campaign, but save for those two seasons, he only averages 10 goals per year and has only topped the 50-point plateau once in his career. He's a career 35 to 40-point-a-year defender, and his plus-minus every year would look much better on a golf leaderboard than in the NHL stats page. To really drive the point home, OEL has next to no postseason experience, as his team has only ever qualified twice. And again, I would almost say once, because they weren't making it this year. The real kicker for me is that Ekman Larson is being paid like a premium defender at $8.5 million per year for seven more seasons. Yeah, which the owner who didn't sign it does not like. Exactly. Anything you want to add to Ekman Larson? No, I don't think that's too much of a stretch there. Just, I think he he is a decent defenseman stuck on an island that is Arizona. Yep, I I can't disagree with you. He's played on some bad teams, and I think that helps uh, his his uh, status in my overrated list. Representing the Toronto Maple Leafs, John Tavares. Mister Tavares may lay claim to the worst contract in the NHL at a staggering eleven million dollars per season with only five more years to go on this god-awful contract. Tavares being paid like an elite scorer and friends, he is not one. Only once has he reached the 40-goal mark in a season, and he is yet to break the 90-point mark in a season. So he must be getting paid for his defense then, right? Tavares <laughs> is a career minus player, including a solid minus seven last year in Toronto on one of the more dynamic offenses in the game. Brought in to get the Leafs out of the first round, Tavares has failed in both seasons and has only once been out of the first round in his, in his entire career. The contract of Tavares also caused the Leafs to have to inflate the contracts of fellow teammates Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and William Nylander, as to not make them feel snubbed compared to the contract they gave to, to Tavares. This has left his team in salary cap jail. John Tavares, clearly an overrated forward in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an entire show we could talk about, the Leafs and their thing. The one thing I think that if there's a player out there that could run a course, I think it's Roberto Luongo. Because I think he needs to teach some of these people, some of these players, and he's got Bobrovsky there in Florida, the phrase, my contract sucks, right? I think like for what they're getting paid and not being able to get traded down the road, they need to learn the phrase, my contract sucks. Yeah. From the Buffalo Sabres, number four, Taylor Hall, our second duplicate pick. Losing. That is all Taylor Hall has done since entering the league. No, 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 no. He can win the first overall pick. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thrust upon the world as one of the saviors of the Edmonton Oilers, Hall was sent packing after six years and little to show for his efforts. No playoff appearances. Averaging 22 goals per year and 55 points per year when in, Ed or when in Edmonton. Traded to New Jersey in one of the most bizarre trades in NHL history, Hall managed to post one stellar season in 27-2018, winning a Hart Trophy and reaching the playoffs for the first time in his career to bow out quietly in five games. But save for that one season, his career in New Jersey wasn't much better. Injuries derailed a promising start to 2018, but Hall would fail to get back to the player he was prior to the injury, 
eventually leading to him being traded for a second time in his career. There are warning signs galore when it comes to Taylor Hall, a former first overall pick. He will start 2021 on his fourth team in 10 years. And the superstar forward has next to no playoff experience. With nine of his 14 career playoff games coming in 2020, in a year where his team otherwise wouldn't have qualified. So Taylor Hall's really played five postseason games in his career. In reality, a Taylor Hall team has qualified for the playoffs only one time. The sample size is big enough for me. Taylor Hall has been a bust and has led him to be one of the most overrated players in hockey. Last on my list, representing the Nashville Predators, Matt Duchesne. Duchesne entered the league in 2009 as the third overall pick and took the league by storm. His blazing speed led him to 24 goals in his first season and 27 goals in his second. And the hype train was full steam ahead for Matt Duchesne. Unfortunately, these two seasons may have been the pinnacle of his career as it's been downhill ever since. Widely known as a less than desirable teammate off the ice with issues in the locker room, Duchesne has jumped around a lot for a player of his skill set. Four teams in 11 seasons is not a shining endorsement for Matt. Back to on the ice, Duchesne is being paid like a top-line scorer at $8 million per year, but has only twice in his career hit 70 points and only twice scoring more than 30 goals. Career averages for Duchesne are 22 goals and 54 points, Taylor Hall-esque. So why has he been always been paid like a top-line scorer. Matt Duchesne never lived up to the expectations, yet somehow managed to still get paid. Nice work, Mr. Duchesne. You've pulled the wool over many people's eyes, just not mine. Yeah, he's uh, still living off that Landeskog and McKinnon help that he had as, as a rookie in his early years. So He's really done ar- nothing. Yeah, I can't argue that one at all. Well, those two teams are our... All-star overrated teams. Let us know what you think. Are we really off base or did we get get it right? Uh, let us know on our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection with Ken and Trevor, or on Twitter, at The BleacherCon1, at The BleacherCon2. And we want to thank everyone for listening, listening in on the Unhinged Sports Network. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Thanks, everyone.